Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Maddie, Gordy, Michael, we're all here today. One big post-trade deadline happy family. Um, the Calgary Flames made two deals uh, at this one before the trade deadline, actually on that Sunday night, sending David Riddick to Toronto, who they play tonight, so that should be a whole lot of fun. And also sending Sam Bennett to Florida in I don't know if the Florida Panthers have actually ever watched Sam Bennett play hockey, but I think the uh, Flames did pretty well. Uh, let's start with you, Maddie. Um, your thoughts on the Flames? Uh, two deals made at the trade deadline. Extremely fine with it. Um, honestly, I didn't really expect anything more out of this deadline, so I'm not. Yeah, straight down the middle for me. I think. Gordy, what do you think? I was happy with their returns. They. They didn't make a big trade like I think some people hoped they would, but they sold some pieces that there was no point in bringing back, and they got some good pieces for the future. Are you saying that they got that their deal with Florida was better than uh, Buffalo's deal with Boston? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> I, I think uh, Boston's deal is pretty fair because uh, I think Curtis Lazar typically – you have to pay a second rounder to get him, and then they just threw Taylor <laughs> Hall and to sweeten, sweeten the pot. But I think I think a second rounder for Curtis Lazar is uh, pretty much market value at this point. <laughs> Michael, you're <laughs> Curtis Lazar. Oh, he'll never go away. Michael, your thoughts on the Flames uh, trade deadline moves? Uh, yeah, I. I mean, I think it's a lot easier to be satisfied when you're a seller than when you're a buyer at the deadline, and. Yeah, especially, like, the Riddick trade, I thought that was fine value. I didn't think he was going to get anything more than that. But, like, Sam Bennett trade is, like, it kind of felt like it wasn't really going to happen just because, like, it was pretty quiet. Like, you weren't hearing anything about him. But then, yeah, personally, when I heard he was getting traded, I thought, like, at most, like, maybe they'd get, like, a third that could turn to a second or something. But once I heard they got a pretty good-looking prospect and a second for him, I was I was just thrilled. And I think it's it was a tremendous move. And I think it was just they finally got their price tag reached. So I'm super happy with it. Yeah. I think I seem to agree with everybody here. I think Calgary did very well as a trade deadline. Clearly David Riddick was not going to come back and be a backup again next year in Calgary. So if you get rid of him, you can get at least something for him in return. He's going to go for greener pastures and a chance to probably start somewhere. Um, and again, Sam Bennett was looking to get out of town, despite you know the fact that he said he really liked playing under Daryl Sutter and thought it was going to be a good change for him, which was a load of crap, you know. So it's good to see him go to Florida. And if you could get a second and a pick, I joked. I think I said if you can get a second and a pick for Bennett, you could probably get a top five lottery pick for Derek Ryan. I mean, just and Michael, um, I know you were kind of sort of slowly beating the drum on Derek Ryan being a trade piece, not wanting him to go, but it making sense. Were you a little surprised he didn't get traded yesterday? Yeah, I would. I would almost use the word shocked that he wasn't moved, and it sounded like from what Tree Living said, they were working the phones pretty hard on him. But like, there just wasn't a market. But I'm. I was pretty much shocked that 
out of the 20 to 24 teams still kind of in that playoff chase. Not one team was like, hey, we'll, we'll get, give you like a fourth or a fifth for him just to, you know, take a flyer because he is a really good bottom six forward. Like I was looking at even the Oilers, they, they have um, Nugent Hopkins is injured. So like their second line center right now is Gaetan Haas. And like you're telling me that Ryan wouldn't immediately take that spot if like the Oilers had offered a good pick for him? Like it's, it's just stunning to me that nobody even gave him like a mid to late round pick just to see what they could do with him. Yeah. Uh, Gordy or Batty, um, you both can hop in on this one. I'll put it out there. A guy like Derek Ryan could easily help you come playoff time. He's a steadying veteran presence on any of your bottom six. And if you're a, you know, a team that's marginal like Edmonton, that's got a you know problem with a player down, he could have filled into a top six role. Um, you guys shocked that nobody was uh, interested in Derek Ryan, or maybe the price was too high. Yeah, I, I, oh, sorry, go ahead, Maddie. No, I was just going to agree. Like, I'm pretty surprised. I mean, he's exactly the kind of guy you trade for at the deadline. And, I mean, the Flyers got a fifth-round pick for Michael Roffel, who's like plays a pretty similar role. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I just can't imagine the price would have been prohibitive for other teams. or I don't know. It's just weird. Hey, Cordy, go ahead. There just didn't seem to be that many deals done for kind of role players. I'm not sure. I, I don't know, in my opinion, how much of a value Ryan would have had for a, as a rental, but I'm not that surprised he didn't get traded, in all honesty, given that he pretty cleanly passed through waivers not too long ago. Yeah, so um, were there any other moves that you guys would have made if you were the Flames, or are you, you know, kind of happy with, you know, made a couple small moves brought back some draft currency, whether it ends up being an actual player or, you know, the picks become chips to put in a deal to send somewhere else. Um, you know, anybody else you would have liked to have seen moved at the trade deadline? Outside of a big name that may get moved like this summer or the draft, Michael? Um, yeah, I just, I wouldn't have been shocked to see something really small, like, a, I don't know, like a Stone, a Levo, somebody like that for like a seventh that not even a seventh unless six things happen kind of thing. But like other than that, there weren't, there wasn't really anybody else we really expected to move. Like you said, once you take away like the bigger names and then obviously with Ryan too, like that, that was the only other one I had any expectations of happening. Uh, Maddie, how about you? Yeah, I agree. I think the, where the season's at right now is sort of like get what they could for any pending free agents or, guys that other teams were just desperate for um and then you just kind of see the rest of it through and evaluate at the end of the season and if you've got to make your big shakeup, which i think we all agree they do need to do um that comes sometime in the off season gordy disappointed no chris stewart's this trade deadline <laughs> yeah no uh, no big waiver claims this time <laughs> um no i'm I, I wasn't surprised they traded riddick just because he's not going to be eligible for the expansion draft and i mean there was just no point bringing him back i'm kind of surprised they did end up moving bennett but there's no other really significant expiring contracts on this team or the guys that are on one-way contract or one-year contracts just weren't really worth trading for so yeah, pretty pretty typical trade day. I think, you know, Brad did what he could. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, I mean, people have been kind of, Michael and I were talking about it last night, people have been all over to living for some of the deals. And I honestly think that the fact that he was able to get that kind of return for Sam Bennett is amazing. It's like probably one of his better trade moves at this point, you know, and 
good for him. All on, you know, stick around. If you can get that for Bennett, you could probably turn this team around fairly quickly, unless you're going to make deals with Florida all season, all off season long, and you know, bring disgruntled Panthers here and send disgruntled Flames there. I'm not sure if I really want that. But um, any other big surprises for anybody out here at the trade deadline? Obviously, Taylor Hall moved. Um, I think everybody knew that was going to happen. It was just a matter of where. He's now a Boston Bruin and saying he's always loved the Bruins and loves the city of Boston. And people who live in Boston don't love the city of Boston, so he can settle down a little bit. Um, uh, Mantha gone from uh, Detroit. Uh, any Anything major out there that surprised you guys that did or didn't happen? Maddie? Uh, I think the Mantha Verona trade was kind of a surprise and especially because it came out so late um it kind of seemed like not everything was done at that point but yeah that that one i wasn't really expecting gordy yeah the i think the biggest thing that surprised me this trade deadline wasn't necessarily a trade at all but it was the way the tampa bay got david savard through the, the three team median where they got two teams to take both halves of his salary and they just, you know, pay a little fee for them to do that. And they now, you know, get David Savard for the rest of the year for essentially free. I, I can't remember ever seeing that before. And I just, I have a feeling that like that's going to open up that format a lot more now. Michael, you, anything that surprised you or didn't surprise you, I guess? Well, yeah, just like Gordy said, the Leafs did the same thing with Nick Foligno this year too, where I think they're only paying 25% of his salary. I don't know how... I thought he was worth a first, and then Taylor Hall went the next day for a second, but that's a whole other discussion. Um, no, other than that, like, I think we saw a lot of teams who are kind of pretty good got better. Like, Mantha, I think, is a pretty good ad for the Caps, at least for this year. I don't feel like long-term they're going to be super happy with the trade. Can on is pretty good, and they gave up some, like, other, some decent picks, but that won't pan out for a few years. So, yeah. No, I think we saw a lot of pretty good teams get better um i'm surprised the oilers did nothing but other than that like i think it was a pretty standard trade deadline i think i think all of that makes perfect sense i think that pretty wraps up pretty much wraps up uh what we should be looking at at the trade deadline with the flames let's look ahead where do the flames go from here now i mean now that they've gotten rid of two small pieces this summer i it, it whether it's at the draft before the draft during the draft uh maddie what where does Calgary go from here? Obviously, moves have to be made, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like I kind of said, I, the big thing really seems to be just fixing the mix with this team. Um, I, yeah, I mean, we've, we've been talking about this for weeks. Like, yeah. whatever it is, just something about this group of players that they have right now isn't really working, even if it looks like on paper it should be. So um, rather than really addressing like a specific stylistic or positional need, I think it's more intangible to like, just totally sound like a hockey man for a second. Uh, It's yeah, it's the mix that I'm expecting to be changed up. No. And that makes sense. Gordy, you look at the, the Lindholm Kachuk Gaudreau line. I mean, it was one game. Um, the Flames played well against Edmonton, hung five goals, shut them out, finally figured out Mike Smith. But is this kind of like going to be like an audition maybe for these three guys for the rest of the season to see if they do gel? And maybe these, now you've got three as a core to build around and then other pieces become tradable? Would that be an issue? Would that make sense? Yeah, it did for sure is an audition for them because I think it's not unfair to say that at this point, those are your three best players. And for the first time, they're all on a line together. So 
it's not just an audition for them. I think, you know, Adam Ruzichka is now on the taxi squad. I'm sure they're going to give guys like Yusuf Alamaki a little more, you know, leeway down the stretch to see what he can do. It's, it really is an audition now for next year to see, you know, who can maybe play a little bit different than they did this year, who can play up and down the lineup. So for the rest of the actual hockey season, it's just got to be about, you know, playing a playing a way that's sustainable beyond this year and finding a way to get back in the groove and just just ride the year out as positively as you can. Michael, to to piggyback off that audition wise, why why did it take so long for the Flames to put Gaudreau, Lindholm, and Kachuk together? Well, I think at least on that front, it's kind of like finally trading Bennett. It's a kindly kind of finally admitted defeat on Gaudreau and Monaghan, at least for the short term. They just decided like at this point the season's over. Like that was the only duo that used to work years ago, but now they finally realize like we gotta just try stuff at this point. Um, I think going forward, we're basically just going to see Daryl Sutter's kind of first training camp over these next 15 games where he's going to be trying new lines. He's going to be giving some young guys, like we said, more of a chance to play. And I think that's going to be a lot of benefit for the team to kind of get a good sense of them before they head into the offseason. If um, Sutter can kind of figure out what's going to fit with his system, what's not, I think that'll allow the Flames to actually make some good improvements and maybe come back pretty strong next year. I don't. It felt like this season a lot of things kind of went as wrong as they could, and I don't think it's a stretch to think in a regular year that they can get back to playoff contention even next season, depending on what how much blowing up they decide to do this summer. Fair enough. No, I, I think audition makes sense, and it just seems like those three guys maybe should have gotten a uh, shot maybe together earlier in the season, but maybe it is just at that point. I mean standings wise it is at that point the season is over it's just waiting for the calendar pages to flip to mid-may when those final two canucks games get played and then the season is over and then the real fun can begin with the calgary flames we're going to take a quick break here on the tinderbox we come back we'll talk a little about the flames defensive pairings uh there's a flame gonna play in a thousand game tonight we'll talk about that and more when we come back on the tinderbox you ready showtime on May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And welcome back to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. It's Mark, Maddie, Gordy, Michael. Um, so Daryl Sutter decided to flip the D pairings up a little bit and broke up the Flames' best defensive pairing all season of Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev. Uh, anybody have a problem with Sutter mix and matching the defense now? Or, I mean, still you're looking down there. Michael Stone is still in the lineup. Yes, he's played well, but... At this point, don't you just give Oliver Shillington the rest of the season to prove himself? Or am I still beating that Shillington drum um, too loudly, Maddie? Uh, no, I. if anything, not loudly enough, apparently. Uh, <laughs> Stone is bad. Why are we doing this? Because <laughs> he had a goal. <laughs> he had points in two games. Come on. That's, he's amazing. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Gordy, uh, your thoughts on Daryl mixing up the uh, the defense pairings? Yeah, I get why you put a guy like Stone in when you're kind of still pretending to play for the playoffs. But yeah, at this point, 
you know, Shillington and Stone are very likely both leaving the organization this summer. So I, I personally, I'd know which guy I'd like to play a little bit more and see what he can give. And it's not Michael Stone. So I, I would give, honestly, if you're not going to go with Shillington, then why would you not call up Mackey or Yellison or something too? There's just, there's no point to playing Nesterov or Stone anymore. They're, they're both terrible. They're both, you know, they're both older and UFAs that are going to depart for pennies on the dollar. There's just, there's no point to playing them at this time of the season in all honesty. Yeah. And if you want to play that, that card too, I mean, Michael, I mean, I know Joachim Nordstrom's played, fuck, we're going to say, well, I mean, we have to define well as the player and how well he really, how good he is as compared to somebody else who's good. But like you got guys like Nordstrom still in the lineup and Levo and Richie. Um, is it time to just take those guys and be like, Hey, thanks. We appreciate all you've done for us. You know, that again, in quotes, all you've done for us and um, throw some kids in the lineup at this point. Yeah. When I was looking at the flames lineup this morning, I almost like started heaving and like, getting ready to throw up because <laughs> I saw the bottom six. It was, it was like Lucic, Backlund, Nordstrom, Levo, Ryan, and uh, Richie. And I was just, I, I felt sick to my stomach looking at that lineup and being like, we have good prospects in Stockton right now. And that's what you're rolling with. I know the season's over, but like, come on, that's not, that's like an AHL lineup right there. And I, I know Lucic is pretty good. I like back when I like Ryan, but those wingers, those are just in a season where there's nothing on the line. Like, come on, get the young guys up. We've had enough of this. Like Gordy said with the defense too, like just get everyone out that's, on a one-year 700k deal and start playing some of these young guys let them get out their rookie mistakes let them learn now and hopefully next year they can jump right in and kind of have enough experience to kind of keep going right away and help the team win next year maddie your facial expressions have been kind of summing up lots of things you're not happy with the flames pto preseason uh, split squad lineup on the ice tonight no just it's not gonna hurt the kids to give them a shot at this point i I just really don't understand why we're so reticent to give them a chance and, you know, potentially put them in a better position to succeed next season. Like, it just fully defies logic for me. I don't get it. Well, tonight, Milan Lucic will uh, play his 1,000th career NHL game, and it's happening in the Calgary Flames uniform, I don't think, when he probably was at his 400 or 500th game. Any of us ever thought that Lucic would be spending game 1,000 wearing the Flaming Sea. Um, Michael, any thoughts on uh, the uh, Milan Lucic era in Calgary so far? I mean, I've kind of beaten this drum a little bit. Like, I'm if we just get back to how he's actually played, like, yes, he's never going to live up to that contract or whatnot, but, you know, I think he's taken on a good leadership role with this team. He seems to bring it every night. I know he doesn't have the hands anymore, but or the foot speed, but he knows what he's doing. Like, he, he thinks the game well, and uh, no, he's a nice guy, and I'm I'm really happy for him. I hope he keeps playing here, because I don't think they're going to ever be able to move that contract. So, you know, like I, I'm fine with what he brings, and, like, congrats to him, honestly. Gordy, are we going to give Lucic the forever a flame treatment? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll admit that in my uh, older days, I, I did watch Milan Lucic getting hit compilations. <laughs> I was not the, the biggest fan of that guy for a while. I loved when they signed Dalton Prout because I always remembered he was the guy that one-punched Lucic way back when. But, you know, honestly, ever since he's been in this organization, he's, you know, he's absolutely endeared himself to me. He seems to have kind of lost that caveman-esque-ness that I 
quite <laughs> did not like him for at the beginning of his career. But no, at, at this point, he really is a quite a positive uh, personality on the Flames. He's he's a pleasure to listen to talk to. He seems like he still wants to win at this point. And yeah, I'm I'm totally fine with Lucic on the roster. When you talk about highlight compilations, my favorite when Oiler fans put together those video compilations of him missing people when he's going to throw checks and he's just <laughs> smashing into the boards for no reason. With that said, I, I'm all in on Milan Lucic. I'd give him an A, throw one on his sweater, make him a leader next year. You know, uh, Definitely not going to move that contract. So he will be here for the foreseeable future. Matty, uh, Milan fan club? <laughs> I certainly don't have a choice, right? We're stuck with him for, <laughs> for the long haul here. <laughs> No, uh, I think we came in, I think, to the start of his tenure here with pretty reasonable expectations. So nobody could really get hurt from that. And like, he seems like a good dude. I have really no complaints. If you expect trash and you get above trash, then it's a win. And I think that's kind of like, that's what this has been with with Lucic is, you know, you looked at his numbers and you're like, all right, well, if he's like a 20 point guy a season. I'll take it. I don't care. <laughs> and if he just provides that, that not the enforcer thing, because he's really not the enforcer. He really picks and chooses his spots at this point. But um, I think he's been fine. I think it, they need a, a good leader on the ice like that. He's a veteran presence. Um, watching him skate as somebody who just learned how to ice skate does still make me cringe. It's very Frankenstein-esque. It's very stiff. But um, I guess that's what happens when you've been throwing your body around for so many years and getting punched in the face. So good on Milan Lucic. Congratulations on playing your 1,000th game of your career. Happens to be with the Flames. Somebody had a great tweet today that was like, how awesome is it that Lucic just played 1,000 games with the Flames and James Neal's only played 73 with the Oilers? I think we won the trade. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's good. That one wins the internet for the day. That was pretty sweet. Speaking of guys that might play 1,000 games by the end of the season, um, is Jacob Markstrom ever going to sit on the bench the rest of the season, or is he literally going to be forced into duty? Uh, Gordy, are we going to see Zaggy Doolin or uh, Louis Domingue this season, or is it Jacob Markstrom or bust? Literally bust. That was kind of the scary part of uh, uh, Riddick being traded is, I mean, we've all seen Louis Domingue play hockey and that right-handed catching glove is not, not too good at catching the puck. So I, I don't know how many games are left 15 or whatever, but yeah, I, yeah. Daryl has ridden Markstrom pretty hard to this point. And yeah, I, I don't, really want to see Zagadulin or Dominion net, but I also don't want to see only Markstrom in that. So I guess they'll figure something out. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> your thoughts. Yeah. I think they're going to, they're going to ride with Markstrom at least till whatever game they get mathematically eliminated, then we'll probably see Zag. But like, I don't know. I just picture this scenario where it's like Markstrom gets another injury by trying to run over a guy or something. And, Zag comes in and then boom, next to Jordan Bennington wins fourteen in a row, Flames win the cup. Like that—that's what's going to happen, right? That's—I I think I might have been sure. drinking already. Yeah, I, I think. I, 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 like I think. I yeah, yeah. It sounded like something was being poured into a glass earlier. Yes, I could totally see that. There, are, uh, Gordy. Yes, you are correct. There are fourteen games left in the season. Maddie, uh, over under are the fourteen games. How many of those is uh, Markstrom going to start? Fifteen, sixteen of the fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Oh, 10. Yeah. And I'm going to like, my whole body is going to be tense for every single minute of it. It's going to be like 10 in a row. And then someone will pick up the last four games of the season where yeah. it doesn't matter. It's oh, something, yeah. something to that effect. Yeah. God forbid that scenario does come up where he gets hurt. And I mean, 
I don't even know what you'd do. I mean, you'd have to ride those two guys or maybe you could bring back one of my favorites and find wherever Akari Ramo is and throw him in for the <laughs> lock him up for a remainder. But yeah, the flames are kind of toast getting rid of David Riddick because they don't really have a plan. I mean, I know Zag will be on the taxi squad or he'll be on the back up on the bench with the baseball hat, but God, if we ever get to that point where Tyler Parsons is making his NHL debut in <laughs> early May of 2021, things are not going well. Did not um, have that on my bingo card. No, did anybody have Tyler Parsons May May appearance? Anybody? Tyler, Tyler Parsons hasn't even played an AHL game yet. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So it's not definitely not having it. And I don't think Dustin Wolf legally can play in the pros because he's not old enough yet because he doesn't have a work permit. Like he's so young. So like the Flames are going to be in deep, deep trouble if anything happens. Well, there already doesn't matter. The season's over. Who cares? All right. So as I'm looking down the uh, Scotiabank North Division, uh, you've got. The Maple Leafs have started to actually kind of pull away from the Jets. Winnipeg had been um, leap, leapfrogged, however you say it, by Edmonton, and now they're they're up a, a point on them. But they're, Toronto's kind of slowly putting this division away in the, their pocket, though they do have a lot of games with Montreal left to end the season. Same with Calgary. Um, are the Maple Leafs for real, gang? Is this a team that's really going to push out of the North Division or once they get out of the North and they have to play a team like Boston or somebody from the East that would have slapped them around this season? Are we going to find out the Toronto Maple Leafs just won a really bad North Division? I You're mean, smiling, Maddie. Go. I have personal ties to the Leafs, so I'm contractually obligated to be all in on them. But I, they're so fun, and I think – they're i think they're for real they're real good gordy are we gonna be looking at that horrible austin matthews mustache for a long time this summer i i think the playoffs are gonna be funny because a team from each division is probably gonna walk through the opponents they've walked over all year and then we're gonna get to the conference finals and the, the, like there's such a high chance they're gonna be badly mismatched i would love to see the leafs like plow through the first two rounds and then like get swept in the conference finals or so that would be very very satisfying i think that's my prediction for them michael i don't know i'm on the uh i'm i'm very torn uh, emotionally between if i want to see david riddick win a stanley cup or if i want to see the leafs get knocked out in the first round and watch all of ontario just melt down like i'm i'm very torn on that right now and uh you know i think they're good but like i I don't think there's any one team in the Canadian division that's really going to have a shot in the final four regardless. I'd rather see somebody like the Jets get there, honestly, if I'm uh, picking one. And I think they have a team that's probably good enough to beat the Leafs. I just, I don't trust the Leafs mostly because they're the Leafs at this point. No, that's fair. And a team like Winnipeg, and it's it's kind of like in baseball, you ride your hot pitcher through the playoffs into the World Series. You don't have to score seven rounds a game in the World Series, you know, you you play two one games defense and pitching wins and the Wets are one of those teams where they've got the goaltending but is Jack Campbell the light's going to be too bright for him come playoff time when like you know the big time hits he did win his first 11 starts he's played out of his mind he's 11 and 1 his goals against is like 167 his save percentage is like 95 something it's insane um but are you more willing to trust a guy like Hellebuck come playoff time, a guy who's got that experience as Vesna Trophy winner and has that poise despite having some clunkers during the season? I think you look at it that way. The Leafs can outscore everybody, but if you run into a tough goalie, you know, things change. I don't see Edmonton, if God forbid McDavid and Dryside will have a bad playoff series, that team does nothing. They go nowhere. They can't put pucks in the net without those two. They're toast. I don't, Montreal is just 
there because Calgary sucks. So, you know, I kind of look at it that way. Like, so it's probably comes down to Toronto or Winnipeg. And I think I'm with Michael. I would rather see Winnipeg come out of this. I have a, you know, like I always mention, I watched Hellebuck play right down the road from me in college a ton. Loved watching him play at UMass Lowell. So I've got a little soft spot in my heart for him. But um, yeah, I agree. I think any team that gets out of that North or even Colorado's got a shot coming from the West, but some of those East teams are just, the East coast teams are just machines coming, coming through. So um, any, as we wind down, any, uh, any predictions for, uh, who you guys think will win it all? Or is it too early to make that decision? I'm just thinking how funny would it be if the Jets won the cup? I just want to see Pierre-Luc Dubois absolutely dunk on John Tortorello at that point. <laughs> all right. That's that just would... my maximum chaos desire here. That's all I want. Fair enough. Uh, Gordy? Uh, hmm. That's a good question, actually. It's it's like, you're right. It's It's got to be one of the East teams. Some of them are just... Such juggernauts. It'd be kind of cool to see like Florida win the cup. I think just something that would get the old boys nice and mad. Well, <laughs> Florida winning the cup would be hysterical because when they when the Panthers have games when there was nobody in the stands, it still looked like a regular regular season game with nobody <laughs> in the stands. Like you used to watch those Panthers games, you'd be like, "Does everybody?" And you're like, "Do they come dressed in those weird reddish brown seats?" Oh no, there's just nobody here. That's what the seats look like. They're terrible. Um, yeah, but you look down the East too. You got teams like you know, fifty-eight points leads the division, and you know the best team um, out west is obviously Colorado with their sixty-two. But you look at it going down the line: Tampa's fifty-eight, Carolina's fifty-eight, Florida's fifty-six, Washington's fifty-eight, the Islanders are fifty-eight, the Penguins are fifty-six. Like you got three solid teams at the top of each of those divisions, and then you come to our lovely Scotia Bank, where fifty-nine, fifty-three, fifty-two, and forty-five. You know, so I just I, I'm with you. And I, I hate to throw that East Coast American bias just because, you know, I do live in a near a gigantic East Coast city. But I just um, Colorado, maybe. But I just don't see anybody in our division coming out of here to uh, yay, go Lord Stanley and, and hoist the cup. Michael, that does that sound about right? Yeah, I I think ultimately, like you said, it will be one of those like juggernaut teams. I don't, personally, I'm going to be kind of rooting for the wild. I don't know. I think they're just a fun team this year. We've watched so many years of them being the terribly boring 2-1 hockey team mm-hmm. that, like, any time the Flames were playing them, we just dreaded it because we knew it was going to be a terrible game. So I'm kind of hoping for them. They've actually, like, really, I thought, held up well in a tough division with, like, Colorado, Vegas, St. Louis, Dallas, Nashville. Like, those are all very good teams, and they're sitting third. So I don't know. I'm kind of hoping we see a Cinderella team this year. Um, Somebody who kind of just shocks within their own division. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised either. All these teams have played each other eight, nine, ten times. So we could see something kind of surprising come out of there just because they all know each other well. And, yeah, no, I'm hoping Minnesota, but my gut's telling me, like, Carolina or somebody is going to come out of it when it's all said and done. You, you just want to see the Wild wear those reverse retro jerseys for an entire series, don't you? Because you love those so much. You know, they're, they're growing on me, to be totally honest. But, man, like, they, they really need to get sponsored by Subway. Like, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I told you they would grow on you. I told you they were nice uniforms. You didn't listen to me. <laughs> all right. Anybody got anything else they want to add before we wrap up this potluck of a podcast? Maddie, you got anything? Anything from Flyerville? <laughs> uh, we, we are getting the kids for the rest of the season. So everything is great here. How many goalies that's have you lie, gone through this season? But... What? How many goalies have they gone through this season? I think last year was what, 10, 11, something ridiculous like that. Uh, it's only been, only been three. Only three. Year, awesome. So like, 
and still Brian fine. Elliott. You didn't get rid of you, know, you didn't get rid rid of Brian Elliott at the trade deadline, right? So nope, still he's in. doing his thing. Still he's, sucking. Okay, excellent. I, I, he's been pretty good, honestly. <laughs> like, really, no complaints. Anytime he's been bad, it's just because like he's old and tired. I'm like, you know, <laughs> what else do you expect at this point? There's nothing wrong with being old and tired, Gordy. What do you got? <laughs> Anything? Brian Elliott is also worth the Curtis Lazar second round pick. So <laughs> I should do much. I feel like Curtis Lazar today is what Theo Ratliff was in the NBA in like the uh, mid 2000s. Everybody traded for the Theo Ratliff expiring contract. Like he was on the Celtics, the Sixers, the Pistons. He bounced between a bunch of teams because he was terrible, but he was a great trade chip because you could take him and wipe out the money and move on and get something else. So Curtis Lazar is the Theo Ratliff of the NHL. That's uh, not a compliment, Curtis, if you're listening and you don't know who Theo Ratliff is. Uh, Michael, you got anything you want to add before we get out of here? Well, yeah, I think we just got to say, like, with Taylor Hall to throw in on the Curtis Lazar trade or vice versa, because I'm thinking it's the first one. I'm thinking, it, cause I remember, I think it was Drager on TSN. He broke that, like, there was a trade happening, and it was like, Curtis Lazar is definitely going to Boston. Hall might be included or something. It's just, I don't know, that image to me is like, Hall was the throw in on the deal because Lazar has five goals this year. I think Hall has two. Like, two, yeah. just that whole thing was just a hilarious joke. And, like, I feel so bad for Buffalo fans, but, like, they're just never going to be good, I don't think. And watching that all break yesterday and then finding out that Sam Bennett basically got more than Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar, I, I, I was just having a great time yesterday. Yeah, imagine being the number one pick in the draft, former league MVP, and be like, I'm going who with where? What? Oh, oh I'm the other guy. <laughs> I'm the player to be named later with Curtis Lazar, who's oh – God, Curtis Lazar, that poor guy. The expectations heaved on that poor kid that have never come true and will never, ever come true. Well, Curtis, good on you. Um, you got traded, and you'll be like that rookie card where it's you and Taylor Hall, you know, like the three people on that one card where it's like two stumps and then like the superstar. You'll always be remembered, Curtis, as the guy who was traded and then added to later the former number one pick in the draft in Taylor Hall. All right, we're going to wrap it up here on the Tinderbox. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please find us on Spotify or a Google podcast or iTunes. Just search up the Tinderbox or a Matchsticks and Gasoline. And you can also search for us under Calgary Flames podcast. You can find us on the web at www.matchsticksandandgasoline.com, on Twitter at MatchsticksCGY, and on the Facebook at Matchsticks and Gasoline. Maddie, Gordy, Michael, thank you for coming on today and talking Flames hockey. And we will catch you next time on the Tinderbox. Tinderbox.